Yo, what's up, everyone? G Money Stacks here. You may remember me from shows like Off the Meat Rat Chains, New York Avenue podcast, Excellent Fun Vibrant Talks podcast, Sports Edition show, Meticulous Vibe Juice podcast review show. I'm here to talk to you at home about Spotify for podcasters. Why are you wasting and struggling with your money on a hosting site to promote your show with limited storages? Forget about it. Let's break this down. If you are a current Anchor user, don't worry about the changes. Everything will be the same with added new features. Spotify for podcasters, formerly known as Anchor, is a free hosting site and phone app that gives you old and new creation tools, also provides free hosting with access to record, upload videos from podcast episodes, edit, add music to your show, monetize, Q&A questions, polls, distribute your podcast on streaming platforms, tracking analytics, plus the show's growth audience from international places, Canada, USA, international, including Long Island and the five boroughs of New York and much more. You can get money from sponsorship with no minimum listenership. Spotify for podcasters also offers hosting and a way to upload podcast videos to attract listeners also keep track of the number number of streams these are the important keys to making a podcast if you like to create a podcast and be a guest co-host like myself you can download the free spotify for podcasters app on your iphones android phones ipads android tablets apple mac and dell laptops with windows Or check out the website for more information to get a head start on your podcast journey at www.podcasters.spotify.com. If I can reach success, so can you. Take advantage of the opportunity that's thrown in your face. I'm G Money Stacks, a.k.a. The Greginator. Thank you for listening to me and the podcast. Let's go.
Yes, good evening, everyone at home from USA, International, Canada, Long Island, aka Strong Island, plus the five spots of Brooklyn, Bronx, Manhattan, Staten Island, Queens. This is your man, G Money Stacks, aka the Greginator, YouTuber, host with the most unstoppable independent podcaster, the man who holds the back door of the Q5 backdoor bus in Jamaica, Queens, and Anthony 4 by. Roosevelt Field Terminal, and of course, Queens, New York native of Laurelton, Queens, New York. And you're rocking and hanging out with me on the 292nd episode of Off the Meat Rat Chains New York Avenue podcast. Thank you for listening and tuning into this episode. And before I go any further, make sure you go ahead and follow the podcast on Instagram, especially especially threads and of course facebook as well and um and also be sure to go ahead and grab the subscribe button for me on the youtube channel page of g money stacks triple five for live video episodes of the live stream recordings so that way you'll be able to you'll be able to um find it in the live section and and of course you know be sure to leave a like and a comment along with the episodes and and of course download the episodes add the podcast to your playlist including your favorite episodes and of course i'll handle the rest at the end of the show all right yes so we're live and direct from youtube and Streamyard. Streamyard and YouTube actually, um, and um, yes. So, without further ado, um, I do have to mention something about the BQE. So, um, without further without further ado, I want to mention something about the BQE as a reminder that there's gonna there's gonna be a little bit of repairs that's gonna be going down. So, I will break it down. So that way you'll be able to know so you don't get stuck and and you won't be stranded. So I got y'all with the details. So I'm going to get to it right here, right now, with, with this. Hold on a second. I'm sorry. Wrong button. Yes. Yes, this is the New York Mass Transit Files right here. Let's get into it right here, right now. All right. So I'm going to get into it right here, right now. So let's get into it here. Hold on.
All right. Um, a little reminder about the BQE, which I will get into right here, right now. So, so hear me out on this. Okay, um, this is from AMMY.com. Um, attention all drivers, parts of Brooklyn, Queens, parts of the Brooklyn, Queens Expressway, which is the BQE, are closing down this weekend. And here are some details. Here's what you need to know before you hit the road, all right, for you drivers out there. When is the BQE closing? Parts of the BQE will be closed starting at 2 a.m. on October 14th through 4 a.m. starting tomorrow, which is a Saturday. And on October 16th, yeah, so that's October 14th through the 16th. Which parts of which parts are closing, you ask? During this time, the Queensbound section of the BQE between Atlantic Avenue and Stan Street will be be fully closed and traffic on the Staten Island bound BQE will be reduced to one lane between Sand Street and Atlantic Avenue. For Queensbound travel, entrance ramps will be closed at 3rd Avenue, 6th Avenue, Prospect Expressway, Hamilton Avenue, and Atlantic Avenue. Exit ramps will be shuttered at Cadman Plaza, the Brooklyn Bridge, and the Manhattan Bridge. For Staten Island bound drivers, entrance ramps at Flushing Avenue, Sand Street, and Vaughn Street will be closed. Why is the BQE closing, you ask? The popular roadway is long overdue for repairs. The Department of Transportation will be adding addition, additional concrete and reinforcing steel bars to stretches of the crumbling cantilever near Clark Street and Grace Court to help ensure the structural longevity of the BQE. Is any public transportation affected? Those who utilize public transportation should be fine, with the exception of those who take the B seven, excuse me, the the B sixty seven and B seventy nine bus stops. For these lines at Pearl and Sand Streets will also be closed as a result of the construction. Where can I drive this weekend if not on the BQE? For those who absolutely need to drive in that area. Fear not, traffic will be redirected to local streets for the duration of the closure. 
with tons of signage telling you where to go. Be sure to allow extra time for travel as it may get crowded as a result. You can check out the map detour map below. That is the details of the BQE closing down for October 14th through um, the 16th. So you can look at the map on on the website at amny.com for all you New Yorkers out there. All right. So there you have it right there. Um, next, we have... Next, we have um, we have a team in Queens that was struck by an MTA bus on an electric scooter. Damn, son, that's crazy, man. So, a Queens teenager died Monday after being struck by an MTA bus while riding an electric scooter, capping off a deadly weekend on city streets for those on two wheels. Police discovered 18-year-old uh, Saad Mohammed lying in the roadway with traumatic injuries at 168th Street and 89th Avenue in Jamaica, Queens, just after 9.30 p.m. Monday. The teen, a Howard Beach resident, was taken to the hospital, to Jamaica Hospital, where he was pronounced deceased. Sheesh. Damn, son. Damn. That's crazy, man. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy, though. That's really crazy. The NYPD says Muhammad was riding a stand-up electric scooter westbound on 89th Avenue and entered the intersection against a red light. At the same time, a Q20 bus was passing the crossing northbound on 168th Street.
at that time, Muhammad reportedly fell from his scooter to the roadway right in the path of the bus's front tires. The 33-year-old bus operator remained at the scene. Neither the driver nor any passengers were hurt. The, the MTA declined to comment. Eleven local bus routes saw delays overnight as a result of the collision. The incident caps off a deadly weekend on the city streets for those riding on two wheels. Four people have died while riding the motorcycles in the five boroughs since Thursday, including two who were struck by hit-and-run drivers, one in Harlem and another in Cambria Heights. Damn! On Sunday, an unidentified scooter rider was killed after being T-boned by an Infinity driver at a Bedford-Stuyvesant intersection, causing the scooter to careen into a parked car and the rider to be ejected. Wow. Um, in Corona, Queens, a 36-year-old um, Emicar Armando Marquez Lorez died after being struck on his scooter by the driver of a Honda CRV who fled the scene and has not been caught. Damn, son. So far this year, 140 people have died in traffic collisions in the five boroughs, according to NYPD data, which is 10% below the levels seen at this time last year. But this year has been the deadliest in more than a decade for cyclists, with two bike riders having lost their lives in 2023 in collisions. And while four out of five boroughs have seen declines in fatalities from last year, traffic deaths, um, aka fatalities, are up nearly 50% this year in Queens. In other, in other transit stuff, um, let's see. We need to talk. We need to. We need to talk about um. In other Queens, in other, in other um, transit stuff, we need to get into. We need to get into um. Well, this happened over the summer, actually, but but I'll just use this anyway. So an MTA bus collided with a cherry picker in midtown Monday night, leaving eight people with minor injuries, cops said. A, B, a BMX6 bus was traveling in the vicinity of 48th Street and Madison Avenue at around 8.30 p.m. when it collided with a boom lift which was being used to hoist construction workers at the site where a new chase a new chase building is going up several of the vehicles windows were smashed and the operator of the lift was injured as the machine was sent tumbling um of course, many victims were transported to Bellevue Hospital, while some were treated at Cornell Hospital. There were no serious injuries.
it was so scary. One woman told AM New York Metro she was ushered to a nearby ambulance. Several witness accounts deferred when recounting the cause of the crash. Some writers laid blame on the boom lift operator, saying that the cherry picker smashed, smashed into the bus. I was at the back. I saw the crane pass in front of me, and I threw myself on the floor. A, a bus passenger said, who did not want to be identified, I am shaking. Workers at the construction site told a different story, charging that the bus driver zoomed into the boom lift, rocking its operator. I couldn't believe it happened, the bus driver. These guys fly around us and they don't pay attention, Sean McIver said. The bus hit the, the basket of the lift. He was driving it. It snapped the side of the basket. He shook he is shook up. Of course, um, of course, there was no comment. So you know what I'm saying. So there was no response. So anyway, um, another stuff, another another transit stuff. Um, yeah, another transit stuff. We need to get into. Um, so the MTA decides to create an app. I don't know what's wrong with the other one, but this one is a little this one is a little different. So let's get into it right here. Um, so how can we make transit more convenient and more accessible? It's a question my team and I keep coming back to as the MTA and region continue to bounce back from the, the slamdemic. <coughs> Excuse me. And to the new MTA app, which launched in beta last week as the new one-stop shop for all things transit. Riders can now access service alerts, schedules, crowding conditions, elevated status, updates, and more for all MTA agencies, including paratransit, in one place. In just one or two taps, you'll have everything you need to plan your trip. Whether you are riding the subway, bus, Long Island Railroad, Metro North, or access a ride. Customers can even opt into sharing um, anonymized location data to get real-time location-based notifications for their individual journey, which benefits not just riders, but the MTA also. We're going to be able to use that data to better understand. To better, hold on a second, folks. Hold on a second.
Yeah. Um. Where where was I? Yes, to better understand ridership and mobility patterns around the system. We're going to be able to use that data to better understand ridership and mobility patterns around the system. That's hugely, sorry about the cars. Um, that's hugely helpful for service planning, um, especially as we prepare to deliver on the service enhancements made possible by Governor Hochul's state budget. Um, don't mind the car, folks. Um, Phase two of the planned subway service increases we announced back in May took effect this month, starting with shorter midday headways during the week on the C and and R lines. Weekends are also getting a boost with increased frequencies on the one and six lines. Instead of coming every eight minutes, trains will now arrive every six. It might not seem like much, but waiting on a hot platform, those precious minutes add up. And there's no more, and there's more to come over the next year. After the uncertainty since COVID, I'm thrilled to be in the more service business. New Yorkers tells us over and over in, in surveys that the way to get them back to using transit on weekends and for discretionary travel is to shorten the amount of time they spend waiting around. That takes investment, which, I, which as I said, we got this year from governor hoku and the state legislature before the budget deal we were looking at the possibility of big fare increases and much less service now we're able to minimize the burden on riders while providing them with more service and more affordability The advent of Omni 
really allowed us to get creative with fair promotions. The Lucky 13 program has been helping writers get the best deal for more than a year. Now it's expanding on a rolling basis. Instead of starting every Monday by default, a seven-day cap starts with your first Omni tap, no matter when it takes place. We hope that we hope the added convenience will accelerate the transition to Omni for New Yorkers. It's no secret that ridership exploded when the MTA switched from tokens to met to the MetroCard, and Omni is the next step to make it easy easier to pay for for all your travel. So so long as I'm chair and CEO, this. MTA won't stop looking for opportunities to make the transit system more attractive. Customer appeal is our number one priority. Okay. Okay, that sounds great and all. I mean, that sounds great and all. I mean, I just wish um there's other there's other ways to actually care about the safety of people, especially, you know, hopefully you're aware of being you know being struck by random by random individuals who are being pushed to the tracks so yeah but you know that's the first step though man i mean you know what i'm saying that's the first step making service better and caring about people's safety that's pretty much what that is so anyway let's get it to let's get it to um let me see all right, I'm sorry about that. All right. We got a recent passing that we have to get to. Um, we got a recent passing that we need to get into, which is which is um which is one of Timberland's partners that's been in music videos and a segment that I like to call chatting or the jazz. All right, so let's get into it right here. And and right now. Okay, one moment. Okay, like I said, we have a passing um, by the name of Mac Magoo. Yes, I didn't know he was fifty. I did not know he was fifty, man. That's crazy. Um, so this is according to Complex, right? So the Norfolk, Virginia rapper was known for his collaborations with Pharrell, Timberland, Missy Elliott, and the late great Aliyah Magoo, dead at age 50. Magoo has passed away at age 50, TMZ confirmed. The news of Magoo's death 
was first revealed on social media. A cause of death has not been disclosed. Born Melvin Barcliffe, the Norfolk, the Norfolk Virginia native was known as one half of the duo Timberland and Magoo. His early career consisted of forming a rap group surrounded by idiots with Pharrell um, and Timberland and later becoming a member of Josie's Devante Swing, the basement crew, alongside artists like Tweet, Genuine Stevie J and Player. Magoo appeared on albums by Genuine and Missy's debut album, Super Duper Fly, as both a songwriter and featured artist. As Timberland and Magoo, the pair released their 1997 debut album, Welcome to Our World, that was led by their singles, Up, Up Jumps the Boogie featuring Missy and Alia and Love to Love Ya. Welcome to Our World was their only platinum album. They also appeared on the Romeo Must Die soundtrack in 2000. 2001's Indecent Proposal and 2003's Under Construction Part 2 marked the end of their run as Timberland would branch out as a solo artist years later with his shock value album series during an interview with you know i got sold.com in 2020 magoo spoke about his creative process and writing memorable one-liners like the bird is the word hold on It was intentional. I was like a little rougher around the edges before, but as I got around Josie and learned more about the music industry along, and then we got with Ali's Uncle Barry Hankerson, I started to understand something about the music industry that I never would have got the opportunity to experience if I came out immediately. People always remember when you say certain things like, what you talking about, Willis? Gary Coleman was a child actor but his career is remembered because of that one line biggie even put that line in his lyrics me and timberland had a conversation and he was like 
you can either sell 200k or we can sell a million records but you have to decide what that's going to be if i just did that hip-hop that i was doing that was just doing for the cats on the block i don't think anybody would would know me at all that's what people don't understand when they talk about me and i've heard about what people say about me just because a person comes out with a record a certain way that doesn't mean that who that person is I chose that lane because I understood the industry. I would say stuff like wiggle a, a bit, stop, drop, get up, snake freak, because I wanted something kids could remember. Of course, many tributes poured, from, poured in from Teddy Riley and more. So SRP to um, Magoo. Um, all right. Hang on one second. Hang on. Um, hang on. I forgot something. I forgot to add this. Hold on.
Yeah, that part too. Anyway, um, okay. Let's talk about the update of the writer's strike, shall we? Um, but first, I got some good news and I got some bad news. All right. But before I get to the good news and bad news, Drew Barrymore got bullied by the people from the WGA. Ah, man. Um, so this is from Variety. Though the Drew Barrymore show is preparing to go back on the air, its three head writers have declined to return with it. The development comes less than a month after Barrymore found herself in a firestorm of controversy for announcing a return to production before the WGA strike concluded. Oh, gosh. A source close to the talk show shared that the three writers, Chelsea, White, Christina, um, Kenan, and Liz Cole, were offered deals after the WGA strike order was lifted on September 27th. The trio who shared the position of co-head writer on the series declined. The talk show, the talk show is set to broadcast its first new episode in months at on October 16th. New writers are now being interviewed to replace the trio. Hmm. Jeez. These damn planes, man. Barrymore became a prominent target of union criticism in the final weeks of the WGA strike. The host announced plans for her talk show to return before the guild reached, um, before the guild reached, um, let me see, reached a new contract with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, uh, publicly doubling down on her decision with a now deleted apology video video posted on social media with in which she stated i own this choice regarding the return after that statement only amplified the controversy barrymore reversed her decision two days later I 
I have listened to everyone and I am making the decision to pause the show's premiere until the strike is over. Barrymore wrote on Instagram on September 17th, I have no words to express my deepest apologies to anyone I have hurt. And of course, to our incredible team who works on the show and has made it what it is today. We really try to find our way forward. And I truly hope for a resolution for the entire industry very soon. Ahead of Barry Moore's reversal, the WGA released a statement against the decision to begin shooting again. Drew Barrymore should not be on the air while writers are on strike fighting for a fair deal. And reality shows like this cannot operate without writing, and that is struck work. Um, the Hollywood Reporter was first to report news of Barrymore's writers electing to leave the program. <sighs> Look, um, there's a couple of things that I need to really say about this, actually. Um, Look, Drew Barrymore was trying to basically, you know, basically care about the people getting mad to work. That's all she cared about. The the funny thing, the funny thing about the, the WGA and stuff like that is that, and this is from not only, not one YouTuber, but two YouTubers have pointed out a few things that they don't have. And it's not just and it's not just the leadership. It's not just the leadership. The WGA does not have the chief financial officer negotiating lead, general counsel, and financial advisor. These are the keys that they don't have. All right. Just wanted to put it out there. And I think it's very crazy and I think it's crazy and and fucked up in a way because you're condemning a talk show host. In which, by the way, talk shows have different contracts compared to compared to the writers and and actors. And you know, hold on a second. And um, I want to pull in. Um, hang on a second. Sherry Shepard explains something on on the breakfast club where she was talking about how or she was talking about how um you know how certain contracts is a little different i want to pull up i want to pull up what she said too um let me see if, if i have the ch let me see let me pull up what she said because this is going to really support my point, actually. So let me just. Yeah, let me just. Um. Um. One moment.
Okay, um, I wanted to pull up some stuff that Sherry Shepard was talking about, um, how she is not a part of the WGA. So this is from this is from um, EntertainmentWeekly.com, um, actually, the website, EW. Um, okay, so she says, end quote, you cannot replace this human. You cannot replace this sass. And AI, you cannot replace these boobs. <laughs> That's cool. So Drew Barrymore, Bill Maher, and more talk show hosts have delayed their season. Of course, premieres until the resolution of the Hollywood writers' strike. But Sherry Shepard's Sherry returned for its second season Monday, and the host broke down why she's back on the air in the season premiere. End quote. This summer. This summer. You all may have seen your favorite actors and Hollywood stars have been on the picket lines with the SAG Astra and WGA strike, Shepard said during Monday's broadcast. There has been so much confusion about who can work and who can't work. Well, for me, I am a SAG Astra actress and I actually marched with some of my colleagues while I was in Los Angeles recently. But here's the thing. Talk shows in general fall under a different union contract code. So we are allowed to come back unless you are w you are a WGA show. Now, the Sherry show is not a WGA show. We have never employed WGA writers. So us coming back to work is not crossing the picket line. Shepard went on to explain her lack of WGA writers. As a comic, my comedic take on the headlines is my voice. I wrote my jokes. I'm the writer. I'm and I'm not in the WGA. I have the producers who help me shape my words, which is why we don't have WGA writers over here as Sherry. Um, Shepard also broke down the causes for which SAC Astra and WGA are striking one of the things that we are fighting for is better residuals she said and i'm going to tell you residuals help us when i was going through a time where i didn't work residuals kept the lights on they helped me pay my bills my residual payments came into play when my son jeffrey was born at 25 weeks those residual payments along with insurance helped me so good residual payments are important to actors. The host denounced the use of artificial intelligence and creative spaces as well. AI could replace working actors from working and it could replace writers, Shepard said. And I'm here to tell you as an actress, AI, you are not going to replace all of this sass. I would not stand for it. AI, you cannot replace this humor. You cannot replace this sass. And AI, you cannot replace these boobs. <laughs> That's a, I actually agree with this shit too. Earlier this summer, fellow actress and daytime TV host Whoopi Goldberg also addressed how and why some shows like The View are attempting to push through the dual strikes while remaining on the air. We work under something a, a different kind of contract, which is called the no, the network code, which means that we are allowed to continue on and we're not actors at the table acting the view, she said. 
it's a different kind of contract. So that's why we're still able to work and we support the actors who are out on strike as we do with the Writers Guild. Goldberg added, that's why we're working today. We wanted to all work out for everybody because nobody wants to see folks on strike because it's never good when you have to make a noise to say, hey, we're here. Yeah. Um, let me see. Let me see this shit. Um also, um it's funny because um because she was in the Breakfast Club recently, if I'm not mistaken. So hold on. Okay, so Sherry Shepard attempts to clear any confusion regarding the, Sh the Sherry Show's return and make the WGA strike, WGA stack Astro strikes in her season two return on Monday. Oh, uh, yeah, I already, yeah. So let's see. Let's see what else she says. Um, let me see what else she says. Hold on a second. Um, Hold on a second. Okay, um, that was the clarification of what Sherry Shepard was talking about. And she actually addressed it on the Breakfast Club, which is kind of interesting. So, so yeah, there you have it right there. Um, All right, so let's get into... Okay. So, I want to start with the bad news. I want to start with the bad news first before I get into the good news. All right. So, and this is from Vanity Fair.
at some level, all Hollywood has won now that writers are back to work. The Writers Guild of America called the end to a strike on the evening of Tuesday, September 26th, and the entertainment industry's engines began to rev back up after sitting idle for 148 days. Writers are still pouring over the details of the WGA's new contract with the alliance of motion picture and television producers, which won't be official until they vote on whether to ratify the deal this week. In the meantime, Vanity Fair unpacks some of the triumphs and stumbles. All right, so let's see. Um... Hang on. Disney boss Bob Iger called the Writers Guild's demands not realistic, but after 148 days on strike, the writers walked away with a tentative agreement that looks like a solid win for them. This is not hyperbole. Your 2023 WGA negotiating committee did a superb, a superb job. Showrunner Latoya Morgan wrote, the committee itself pointed to a meaningful gains and protections for writers in every sector of the membership, such as streaming bonuses, based on high viewership rules around rules around hang on a minute rules around hang on yes rules around the use of artificial intelligence staffing for virtually all television writers rooms even if they didn't get everything they fought for the wga estimates that the deal is worth nearly three times the studio's original offer, and it made the made other important, if less easily quantifiable gains too, reminding the town the town of writers' power and forging solidarity with SAG-AFTRA and other unions. Home. I mean, some people some people say that this whole solidarity shit is a joke, man. You know what I'm saying? It's <laughs> I hate to say this, but that shit was that shit is a joke. All right, so writers on writers social media. Who knew writers could be so eloquent and funny? Yeah, every yeah, okay, everyone. But they proved to be their own best advocates there during the strike, using social media to entertain, vent, 
educate and rally public support with financial horror stories and industry anecdotes. Um, Riders also used it to organize summon picketers to filming locations in multiple cities, um, post joyful photos, um, celebrate wins, and keep one another from having nervous breakdowns. Of course, obviously, um, another particular show on ABC, which is The Golden Bachelor, which I'm not a fan of, actually. I'm not really a fan of that shit, though, man, which is crazy. Um, the spinoff of The Bachelor, starring 72-year-old uh, Jerry Turner, has long been ABC's wish, wish list, but it got fast-tracked after the writer's strike shut down nearly all scripted TV production. In the absence of scripted hits like Grey's Anatomy and Abbott Elementary, The Golden Bachelor is getting a primetime Thursday night time slot and a full marketing push from ABC, which is promoting it to mature audiences by hosting screenings at retirement communities and plugging it at USA Pickleball tournaments. Oh, gosh. Drew Carey, early, early in the strike, the Price is Right host Drew Carey tweeted that he paid for the meals of any riders who showed their WGA cars at Bob's Big Boy in Burbank or Swingers Diner near Beverly Hills. He held true to his word for the duration of the strike. Reportedly racking up an estimated tab of more than $400,000 at Bob's alone and turning both restaurants into crowded industry watering holes for out-of-work riders who needed to, con needed to connect and feed their families. Okay, so, um, so, other high-profile writers, including Shonda Rhimes, Ryan Murphy, and Greg Belanti, also donated serious cash to support cast and crew, but only Carrie's contribution came with a side of Bob's famous onion rings. Ooh. Okay, and also, um, late night. Late night hosts Jimmy Kimmel, Stephen Colbert, Jim, Jimmy Fallon, Seth Myers, and John Oliver could have entirely pieced out after the writer strike halted production on their shows. But after several months spent supporting picketers, hosting live events, and vacationing, they teamed up on a podcast. 
The purpose of Strike Force 5 was to bring in money from sponsors, including Mint Mobile and Aviation Gin, whose advertisements were read by Ryan Reynolds to pay their out-of-work crews. But the show is also much better than it needs to be. The fivesome clearly revels in one another's company and shares never before told stories about decades working in late night. In one episode, Fallon, who seems to have emerged largely unscathed by toxic workplace allegations, makes the case for employing writers on talk shows when he stages a disastrous newlywed game style quiz with his co-host wives. Strike Force 5 has promised only 12 episodes, but the podcast may be the best piece of entertainment to come out of the strike um obviously suits though new episodes haven't aired for four years the u.s network drama which debuted on netflix during a relatively quiet period for new tv amid the strike was easily the most streamed show of the summer topping nielsen's streaming tv charts for 11 straight weeks and counting but we may never know just how much the strike bolstered suits audience its new home on Netflix and Meghan Markle's new fame as a royal certainly help. Um, oh boy. All right, I'm not going to get into all these people. Um, I want to get to actually actually these people i'm just gonna name a few names i'm not gonna read the details and stuff so um just bear with me so um of course of course this includes lindsay uh lindsay dugerty um okay and um this is crazy so all right so no one had a tough talking tattoo teamster leader on their bingo card as one of the most iconic figures of the strike. But from the very first WGA members meeting after the strike was called Lindsay Lindsay Dugerty, head of Teamsters, head of the Teamsters motion picture division and Los Angeles's local 399 got the industry's full attention when she declared what i say, what i like to say to the studios is if you want to fuck around you are gonna find out degurti encouraged teamsters not to cross picking lines at studios
a move a move that wreaked havoc and convinced major studios to stop shooting who would have thought that the writers and the teamsters um are so much alike really they don't sound alike to me but anyway she told uh, Vanity Fair early in the strike, our thumb in the eye just looks a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, fake Carol Lomb Lombardini. Oh, boy. Um, when Carol Lombardini first appeared on X a few weeks ago, into the writer's strike. Some people mistook it for an official account. Oh boy. They were either really not paying attention or they genuinely imagined the studios had negotiator to be a close relation to um, Voldemort. If writers hate mini rooms so much, wait till they hear about micro dungeons, fake Carol tweeted. The, the accounts following grew drawn by the insider quips about the imploding industry. Sure, the days of a stable career in TV writing were were probably nice, but what if I could offer you a chance to work five weeks on a fancy show for people watch, which is then deleted from existence for a tax write-off six weeks later. The Wire creator David Simon called it a majestic and unrelenting campaign of lacerating parody offering to take the impersonator out drinking but so far the account owner um has chosen to remain anonymous rather than face the real lombardi's wrath adam adam canova Con conover excuse me how did the host of the a true tv series become the public face of the strike more than even WGA negotiating committee co-chairs Chris um, Kastner, um, who certainly got writers talking with his regular videos, uh, speechifying. Um, Adam ruins everything. Adam Canova um, saw his public profile rise during the work stoppage. Okay, um, a, a member of WGA's West Board's West Board of Directors and Negotiating Committee, he became a fixture on picket lines, new broadcasts, and official guild events. 
All right. Okay, Sherman Oaks Galleria. How did an open air mall in the Valley become the center of so much drama? Previously best known for its cameo in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. The Galleria happens to be the, to be home to the AMPTP offices, notably near a cheesecake factory where much of the negotiating took place. Will they release smoke over the Cheesecake Factory at the Sherman Oaks Galleria if we have a deal? The writer Gideon Yego joked on X as negotiations appeared to be nearing nearing the end. Okay, now we go to the losers. The losers are the losers is um alliance of motion picture and television producers. Um so the reputation of the AMPTP and its eight member companies wasn't great when the writers walked out on May 2nd and it's not looking any better now after insisting that insisting that they wouldn't bend on several key issues including AI protections um, which is artificial intelligence and data transparency the, the studios and streamers did just that while they have while they may have saved some money at first they also lost hundreds of millions after production shut down warner brothers discovery for example has already said its annual earnings will fall short by between 300 million dollars and 500 million dollars jeez louise man jeez louise Yeah, um, hang on. A source has characterized the deal as a comp compromise for both sides. And it's true that the WGA did make some concessions, um, including on the size of minimum salary raises. But it's hard to spin the second largest, excuse me, the long, longest writer strike in WGA history as a win for studios. Studio chiefs. Writers were looking for a villain and found one in newly minted Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslaw, who was booed while giving a commencement speech and faced backlash when he hosted a lavish mid-strike party in Cannes. Other leaders made missteps too. Who can forget Bob Iger's comments from the Tony Allen and Company conference? But none felt the heat like Z like Zaslaw, who had already made enemies by cutting costs across his company and <clears throat> across his company and pulling shows from streamer max 
the anonymous executive who told Deadline that the end game is to allow things to drag on until union members start losing their apartments and losing their houses certainly didn't help the reputation of Hollywood suits. But to their credit, the leaders of their the leaders of the major studios and streamers saved face when they got the got in the room with the WGA to hammer out a new deal over a marathon five day negotiating session. Yeah, um, we just talked about Drew Barrymore. Um, uh, she'll be back October sixteenth, um, I believe. I believe Jennifer Hudson, um, with her talk show already came back already. Um, and by the way, the uh, late night talk show host that I just mentioned in Strike Force Five, they are uh, they returned to their um, late night talk shows already on ABC. Well, some in different different um different channels different networks to be honest yes hold on one second so we so the emmys um hollywood sets its clock by award season and the emmys are central to broadcast tv and streamers so it was a shock to the system when the television academy officially postponed the ceremony for the first time since 9 11 bumping it from september 2023 to january 2024. the delay dealt a blow to the fyc industry with its phalanx phalanx of strategists, publicists, stylists, makeup artists, and local restaurants and hotels, not to mention the loss of advertising for media entities like this one. Many nominees will now be honored for episodes that viewers watched eons ago, like Better Call Saul or The Bear Season 1, which aired in the summer of 2022. The Tony Awards managed to go on with the show, but that was before actors joined writers on the picket lines. An Emmy ceremony without writers or actors. Well, as the Bears' Uncle Jimmy would say, you can't start. You can't start at fuck. Okay. <laughs> so the Directors Guild of America, um, when they when the the W when the DGA struck a tentative deal with the AMP. TP a month ago, a month into the writer strike, the guild characterized it as historic. Then the actors went out on strike too, and the directors were left on their own. The the, the production shutdowns meant that filmmakers had little work to do this summer anyway. They risked the reputational issue of appearing less then totally concerned about other creators as screenwriter joe russo noted on x the wga deal is a good one but imagine how much it would have been if the wg 
no, if the DGA, excuse me, had actually stood with SAG and the WGA and fought. Of course, broadcast TV, um, the broadcast networks felt the effects of the strike long before streaming counterparts. Of course, overnight, they lost two Jimmys, a John, a Steven, and a Seth. Saturday Night Live was also forced to cut its season early, denying viewers the opportunity to see hosting turns from Jennifer Coolidge, um, Karen Culkin, and Pistol Pete Davidson, um, which, by the way, he's in the movie um, Dumb Money. Yeah, I should go check it out, too. And network programmers very quickly had to start shuffling <laughs> their fall TV schedules. Abbott Elementary was supposed to convene a writer's room for season three, the day that writers went on strike. Writing was also supposed to be underway for Grey's Anatomy, Ghost, Night Court, and a whole constellation of Dick Wolf dramas. Instead, expect a lot of football and reality TV programming to hit the airways this fall. Oh, gosh. All right. All right. So the real Carol Lombardini. To be fair, she makes a very sweet living, but the AMPTP president became the target of the of of much of the creative community's ire when she found herself presiding. Yeah, presiding over the first double strike in more than 60 years. Writers mocked her relentlessly online, and she even got her own parody account on X. The The job of wrangling eight um, desperate studios and streamers during a major labor negotiation isn't easy, and she made some moves that frustrated striking writers. The New York Times reports that she resisted returning to the negotiating table with writers, only relenting after her bosses at the studios pushed her to do so. Now she'll return. Now she'll turn her attention to ending the SAG after strike. Well, good luck with that one. California's economy—that's the bad news that I want to get to right here. Um, behind each movie or television show is a small army of workers behind the scenes bringing it to life, but also those much wider pool of humans keeping those workers afloat. That means that the ripple effects of a labor action are massive. Less money spent on things like car washes and haircuts, restaurants and groceries. So while Hollywood studios were trying to save money to 
save money for their investors. California took an took an economic bloodbath. Damn. Neck and economic bloodbath. So the Financial Times reported early last month that the loss had totaled at least $5 billion. Damn, son. $5 billion for this shit? That really sucks, man. Um, Let's see. Um, audiences while TV shows and movies will eventually resume production, it's really audiences who lose out in the near term. The fifth and final season of Stranger Things has been delayed, so has Andor season two. Craig Mazin still needs to write what's in his head for season two of The Last of Us. The rest of the year will likely be light on buzzy new releases as every network and streamer in Hollywood races to restart their content engines. And don't forget, not much can happen until the SAG Astra strike ends. Oh boy. It'll be a long ass time, man, for the, for they stupid ass to be to be ending that shit anyway. Ah, man, they've been at it for like 92 fucking days already, man. I mean, damn. It, 
Okay, Robots. Sorry, IBM Watson. You won't be getting a writing credit anytime soon. The writer's contract now stipulates that AI can't write or rewrite scripts or screenplays. The studios also can't ask writers to rewrite material produced through AI for less money, and they can't require a writer to incorporate the technology into their work. This is language that could set a precedent for Hollywood and how to regulate the fledgling technology as it becomes more prevalent. The contract does does leave a lot of room for experimentation with AI in the future, but who knows if the robots will even let us have a future. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. I mean, be careful what you wish for, folks. You know what I'm saying? Um. Okay. Now to the bad news, according to the Hollywood Reporter, actually. So the Writers Guild of America strike is over and these, no, excuse me, and there appears to be a progress in negotiations between SAG-AFTRA and the AMPTP. But the impact of the strikes on the entertainment business writ large is still being felt. The U.S. the U.S. Um, Bureau of Labor Statistics released its September jobs report on Friday, and while it was a strong report for the country, um, the U.S. added 336,000 jobs overall, with the unemployment rate remaining steady. It also showed the continued impact of the strikes, according to the BLS. Report the film and TV sector lost another 7,000 jobs in September after reporting 17,000 job losses in August. Employment in the sector has declined 45,000 since May, reflecting the impact of labor disputes. Sheesh. Damn, son. Damn. Damn, that's crazy. This is crazy. Um, yeah, this is the craziest shit that I ever heard. But anyway, hmm. 
And I just heard, and I just heard recently in one of the YouTube videos that um, it seems like the people from SAG Astra and AMPTP has suspended negotiations, and I'm not even sure when they're gonna be returned to the table. But that's terrible, right there, man. That's not even progress, right there. That's not fucking progress, right there. That's not progress to me, man. Honestly. That's no good. wish they get this shit together man i really do this is this is getting out of hand i mean 92 days and y'all can't even make a damn deal come on ah! all right um <laughs> oh man <clears throat> so damn okay so um the WGA went on strike May 2nd with SAG Astra joining them on July 14th. In other words, with a good chunk of the entertainment industry grinding to a halt and amid the writer and actor strikes, the industry shed nearly a whole Dodger Stadium's worth of jobs. By contrast, the publishing sector added more than 6,000 jobs last month, while the telecommunications sector was effectively flat. Damn. The good news is that with the WGA strike over, pr productions are slowly returning to work. Um, and once the SAG Astra strike ends, there is an expectation that productions will resume quickly. The biggest question is if the if the tumult in the industry over the summer leads to any permanent job losses or if it will be limited as production resumes. Um, damn, son. Um, let me see. I did look up. I did look up something in regards to actually let me look up the, the economy for California in terms of the losses. Well, okay, California. 
um, economy. Um, money loss. Okay, so let me see. Let me see. So, um, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. So, let me see. Okay, so. So the Hollywood strikes basically lost five billion dollars. That shit is not a joke, man. This is crazy. Um, this is so crazy. They lost five billion dollars, man. And it's not even—it's not even a joke. Um. I'm gonna save this for next time. I got some other stuff that I need. To, I need. I got some other stuff that I need to get to as far as topics. So let's see. Um. All right. So. All right. So. Um. A little bit of good news, actually. We finally got some good news. All right. So. And this is from Deadline. Hold on. Okay, um, writers have officially approved their deal with the studios. This afternoon, the WGA members ratified its contract with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, um, bringing to a final end to the strike that lasted for nearly five months. After, it's already been five months, man. Like, what are you talking about nearly five months? What the fuck are you talking about nearly five months? It's already been five months already. May, June, July, August, September. <laughs> Come on, son. Anyway, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Anyway, um, after a week of voting, a vast majority of the WGA membership cast their ballot in favor of in favor of ratifying the three-year minimum basic agreement. The contract is every three years, man. For you folks out there that's actually doing acting and all that other stuff, the contract that you renew every that you renew every three years is is still three years. It's nothing more than that. Anyway, um, some eight thousand five twenty five valid votes or ninety nine percent of WGA members, as the guild termed it just now, were were cast by members of the 11,000 Strong Writers Guild of America West and Writers Guild of America East. There were 8,435 yes votes and no 
and 90 no votes. The Guild announced in an email sent to members uh, with major strides for scribes in terms of AI, which is uh, which is artificial intelligence, guardrails, guardrails, residuals, writers' room staffing. <sighs> Look, let me just say this though, man, and I have to agree with Clownfish and Geeky Sparkles on this. Shouts to them for pointing out that um, you don't need you don't need fucking twelve people in a damn room. Like, what the hell do you need 12, 12 riders for in a, in one room? That makes no sense to me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just like it's just crazy. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh man. Um, <laughs> yeah, and data transparency as well as pay hikes. Um, the now sealed deals, excuse me, the now sealed deal runs from September 25th, 2023 to May 31st, 2026. Monday's widely expected strong ratification result comes nearly two weeks after the Two sides struck a tentative agreement on September 24th, ending the 148 strike, the second longest after the scribes 1998 strike. So let me let me just give a quick side note on on what SAG Astra is doing. Actually, look from what from so many YouTube videos I've been watching, they're striking against video game companies. Like, what the hell, man? Are you... Like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, what the hell, man? What the, what the hell for, man? Are you, gosh. This is fucking insane, man. Like, really? Really?
Okay. All right. So um, I wanted to actually address the whole thing with SAG Astra basically protesting against video game companies. I'm gonna have to I'm not gonna get into into deep with this. So I'm gonna actually <laughs> save that as a as a topic for another time um due to time constraints. So let me just um get to <laughs> let me continue this shit though, man. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, Monday's widely expected strong ratification comes result comes nearly two weeks after the two sides struck a tentative agreement on September 24th, ending the 148-day strike, the second longest after the Scribes 1998 strike. The results also come on the same day the still-striking SAG Astra started up its second week of renewed talks with the AMPTP, side-by-side with the WGA for much of the summer. The 160,000 strong athletes union hit the picket lines in mid-July. Um, the WGA went out on its first strike in 15 years on May 2nd as its last contract with the studios and streamers expired. Picket lines went up all over NYC and LA and elsewhere in the USA, but the two sides did not speak officially for 100 days. Damn. Um, starting on September 20th, after a studio fumbled restart in August, um, Warner Brothers Discoveries, David Zasloff, um, Netflix's um, Tess Sarandos, Sarandos, excuse me, um, NBC Universal's Donna Langley, and Disney's Bob Iger finally sat down directly with WGA chief negotiator Ellen Stutzman as well as former Guild presidents David Goodman and Chris Kaiser and other members of the WGA negotiating committee in hopes of a breakthrough. On September 26th, two days after that breakthrough deal was achieved, the WGA West Board and WGA East Council both voted unanimously to recommend the agreement to their members and sent it out for a vote. At the same time, WGAW President Meredith um, Steinem um, and WGAE President Lisa Takuchi um, told members that they strongly endorse this proposed contract and encourage you to vote for its ratification. Today, both Steinem and Takuchi um, praised the massive mandate members gave the agreement. Through solidarity and determination, we have ratified a contract with meaningful gains and protections for riders in every sector of our combined membership.
Okay, um, the WGAW leader said after the vote tally was made public together, um, we were able to accomplish what many said was impossible only six months ago. We would not have been able to achieve this industry changing contract without WGA chief negotiator, um, Alan Stutzman. Negotiating committee co-chairs Chris Kaiser and David A. Goodman, the entire WGA negotiating committee, uh, strike captains, a lot, lot coordinators, and the staff that supported every every part of the negotiation and strike. Now it's time for the AMPTP to put the rest of the town back to work by negotiating a fair contract with our SAG Astra siblings who have supported riders throughout our negotiations, um, WGAE chief stated. Until the studios make a deal that addresses the needs of performers, WGA members will be on the picket lines, walking side by side with SAG Astra in solidarity. Oh gosh. The solidarity shit is a is a fucking joke, man. In a statement of their own, the Carol Lomb- Lombardini-led AMPTP took a more measured response to today's ratification vote. Um, the AMPTP member companies congratulate the WGA on the ratification of its new contract, which represents meaningful gains and protections for riders. The studio and streamers representing groups said, it is important progress for our industry that riders are back to work. SAG Astra congratulates the WGA on the overwhelming ratification of their new contract. The Actors Guild exclaimed in a statement as they conducted their own talks today with the AMPTP. We salute the WGA negotiators, leadership, and members for their fortitude and dedication onward. The WGA members around the country received their ratification ballots and support material via um, email on October 2nd. Uh, Voting ran through 1 p.m. Pacific time today with the Guild holding a noon Q&A session at its Fairfax and 3rd Avenue headquarters. That session was sparsely attended, we hear. The small attendance was in some part due to a significant contingent of Riders Guild members voting fairly early last week. The last time the Riders were on strike in 2007 to 2008, the subsequent deal was ratified by 93.6% with 4,060 votes. Um, With the West Coast Board of and the East Coast Council lifting the restraining order and ending the long strike as of 12.01 a.m. Pacific time on September 27th. Writers have already returned to work while the actors are still on strike, supported by many WGA members. There, There is optimism, optimism that things are moving smoothly with those talks which start restarted today after bargaining last week as the currently negotiating SAC Astra continue to seek their own agreement with the studios and streamers. Many shows, many shows started their writers room back up in the past week as the broadcast 
networks, cablers, and streaming services look to get their slates back into production soon. Celebrity guests are still few and fair between, but are already late night shows are back on the air, as I said earlier, um, as are the majority of daytime talk shows, of course, Jennifer Hudson included, and um, and and others will will follow back to returning to their shows on the air. So Saturday Night Live is set to kick off its 49th season on October 14th, which is tomorrow. Hopefully, Keenan Thompson will be back from um, your Radio you know, podcast. Um, <laughs> will hopefully he'll return. So there was no picketing today by SAG Astra or its allies in respect of the Indigenous People Day holiday. Oh gosh. Anyway, anyway, um, let's get into some other topics that we need to get to right here. Some more terrible stuff. Of course, obviously, what happened over the summer is very, very crazy, and it's very, very common, actually. So this woman has been bitten by a shark in Rockaway Beach. <laughs> this is crazy. This is so crazy. Um, a 50-year-old woman was bitten by a shark and suffered a gruesome leg injury while swimming at Rockaway Beach Monday evening. Um, according to officials and sources, the woman was attacked in the water near Beach 59th Street just before 6 p.m., according to the City Parks Department, who said the incident was the first known shark bite at Rockaway Beach in recent memory. Um <clears throat> And um, lifeguards raced to the injured swimmer, pulling her from the water and administering first aid before EMS arrived. Um, this is according to the New York Post. Um, rescuers applied a tourniquet to the woman's leg, which was bleeding profusely, sources said. She was rushed to Jamaica Hospital in critical, con critical condition, um, officials said. Other swimmers were ordered to get out the water. Um, and the NYPD searched the area by helicopter, but didn't locate any sharks. Oh, damn. Damn. This is crazy, man. This is so crazy. This is very crazy with all these sharks. The first Jones Beach, then you have... Rockaway Beach. Let me continue this because I need to really um, get some of the topics out the way. Anyway, so um, anyway, so let's see. 
Um, we hope for a full recovery for this swimmer, the Parks Department said in a statement. Though this was a frightening event, we want to remind New Yorkers that shark bites in Rockaway are extremely, extremely rare. Extremely rare. Not as rare as you think, though, at the at Jones Beach, <laughs> which is crazy to me. But um, <laughs> man, um, the FDNY. Well, hold on. We remain vigilant in monitoring the beach and always clear the water when a shark is spotted. The FDNY previously said the swimmer um, suffered a major injury before the Parks Department um, provided more information late Monday. Um, a member of the NYPD's Technical Assistance Response Unit was spotted flying a drone Monday night at the beach where the woman sustained her injury. Um, the department, along with the FDNY, will also deploy the flying the high-flying gadgets in the Rockaways on Tuesday to scan the waters for sharks, sources said. Rockaway Beach will have a delayed opening at, of at least 11 a.m., which could be re reassessed based on conditions, officials said. Um, further west at Coney at Coney Island Beach, the NYPD has been using shark monitoring drones since the beginning of the summer. Um, shark sightings have become more common in recent years in Queens and on Long Island. In June, swimmers were forced to flee the water for an hour due to a shark sighting in the Hamels section of Rockaway Beach, which is in Queens, by the way, folks. CBS2 reported at the time. The shark was probably 50 yards out and they called for everybody to get out of the water. Brooklyn resident Chip Newell, Newell, Newell excuse me, um, told the station in June of the past sighting. It was a brown fin. Definitely wasn't a dolphin. There were a lot of helicopters here within a matter of probably 15 minutes. It was pretty crazy. Um, The Parks Department was forced to close Rockaway Beach for a day in July 2022 amid a heat wave due to shark sightings, but um, but, um, but Double F confirmed it would be the first shark attack in the area since 1953. There have been multiple multiple um reported shark attacks on long island this summer oh lord 
this is so crazy. Um, let me see what else can we talk about here, man. All right, um, let's get that out the way. Um, okay. All right, let's get that. Anyway, um, of course, today's episode is dedicated to National Cherry Day. Okay, um, National Cherry Day is celebrated on July 16th, making it the perfect summertime celebration. Cherries range from sweet to tart. Yeah, sweet to tart. They come in shades ranging from red to yellow, and you can create a wide variety of dishes, desserts, and drinks with them. We can't blame George Washington <laughs> for allegedly chopping down that cherry tree. Today, the U.S. cherry industry <laughs> produces more than 650 million pounds of tart and sweet cherries each year. Okay, um, each year, uh, yes. So, um, history of National Cherry Day. So, cherries have been a staple for centuries from the Roman Empire to Chinese dynasties. The little red fruits have been on the plate of millions and came to America by ship with early settlers and the 1600s modern day cherry production in the united states began in 1852 when peter de began planting cherry trees on the old mission peninsula in the state of michigan the mid the midwest area proved to be you no know, proved to have an ideal climate for growing cherries and mass harvesting soon took place with the first commercial tart cherry um, um, orchards in Michigan being planted in 1893. Soon production um, surpassed other major, major crops and the first cherry processing facility, um, Traverse City Canning Company, was built with the ruby red fruit soon being shipped to neighboring cities in the Midwest. Outreach to the entire country was created shortly after. The maraschino cherry created from sweet cherries is what popular popularized cherries in the U.S. This popular this popular dessert cherry was invented by merchants on the Balkan Peninsula and in northern Italy by adding liquor, liquor, excuse me, to a local cherry called the mascara. Oh no, not the mascara, excuse me. Marasca. Marasca. Um the re the resulting cherry product was shipped into the United States in the 1890s. In 1896, U.S. cherry 
processors begin trialing an, an indigenous indigenous um, sweet cherry for maraschino cherries in which less liqueur was used in the processing and almond oil was added. In the end, the liqueur was eliminated completely. By 1920, the American variation of the maraschino cherry was so popular that it had, had substituted the non-native variety in the United States. Okay. Um, I'm not going to go over the timeline, so I'm going to not going to go over that actually. So, okay, so I'm not even going to really. This is crazy, man. All right, so National Cherry Day activities visit a you pick a you pick farm, Oregon, California, and Michigan are a few of the states that have cherry you pick farms enjoy a day outside picking fresh cherries make black cherry iced tea celebrate this national holiday by adding a, a twist to a southern classic iced tea is the perfect summer drink and cherries are a great addition attend a cherry pit spinning contest think you have skills known as the cherry pit spinning capital of the world um um eu claire michigan hosts the international cherry pit spreading championship each year the world record for cherry stone spitting is a whole 93 feet 6.5 inches try beating that um and um let's see the average cherry tree has seven thousand cherries cherries are so productive they can yield up to 28 pies um there are two main types cherries are either sweet or tart um michigan is the cherry capital around 94 percent of cherries consumed in the u.s are grown in michigan pits contain toxins don't chew on cherry pits because they can release toxins and there are 1,000 varieties. There are more than 1,000 different cherry varieties, sweet and tart combined, but only 20% of them are used for commercial purposes. And of course, why do we love National Cherry Day, you ask? Cherries are versatile. They are nutritious. They are historic. And dates um, include and the same dates, which includes yearly, which is next year, uh, next year, July 16th. This year was Monday, July 16th. Um, the year after, which is 2025, Wednesday, July 26th, Thursday, July 20, July 16th, 2026, 2027, Friday, July 16th, and Sunday. July 16th, 2028. All right. All right. Up next, um, let's see what else we have to talk about here. Um, so of course, Universal Orlando 
um, if I'm not mistaken. So this is from Laughing Place. <laughs> um, as part of Pass Holder Appreciation Days at Universal Orlando, pass holders will be able to partake in a special merchandise sale later this month. Um, of course, what is happening? Of course, this took place from September 23rd to the 25th. Of course, you can only you can get deeply discounted deals on your favorite merch at Universal Orlando September Merchandise Garage Sale. This sale is only open to pass holders and you all team members while supplies last. The entrance is located next to the Halloween Horror Nights Tribute Store in the New York section of Universal Studios, Florida, from Park open to 3 p.m. Passover Appreciation Days continues September through September 30th, which already happened, featuring exclusive offers, um, special events, discounts, Passover opportunities, and more. Um, see all the benefits and perks at the Passholders have in uh, our previous posts. Passholders will soon be able to to get a second free collectible art print tease by image by the image below. All right. Um here's the thing, man. Hold on a second. Um <clears throat> and um of course um the Swizzle Lounge located in the lobby of the universal cabanas bay beach resort has received a spooky overlay just in time for the beginning of the halloween horror night season of course you can check out our video highlights of all 10 houses haunted houses at this year's halloween horror nights event also be sure to check out max rank article from the event take a deep dive into this year's immerse immersive new Halloween Horror Nights tribute store at Universal Studios Florida. Okay, I was trying to look for some information in regards to why Disney is going on sale with the uh <laughs> I was really trying to figure out what the issue is, but but that's gonna have to wait till some other time. Um anyway. All right, so let's get into. <clears throat> Hold on a second. Okay, um, okay, so a street sign in Cleveland has been stolen. So, and this is from Complex. So the city of Cleveland recently honored the group by naming an intersection of their hometown Bone Thugs and Harmony Way. Um, 
A recently constructed street sign honoring Bone Thugs and Harmony was stolen just days after the city of Cleveland awarded the group with the accolade. As reported by local station Fox 8, the street naming ceremony took place on Friday as Busy, Crazy, Flesh, Lazy, and Wish were honored by their hometown with Cleveland renaming this intersection of East 99th Street and St. Clair Avenue, Bone Thugs and Harmony Way. Who steals a street sign, man? Like, seriously, like, why? Like, that doesn't make any sense, unfortunately. Okay, that don't make no sense. Um, how does that make sense? How does that make sense, though? All right, um, let me just continue this. Hold on. Oh, boy. <sighs> Man. Yeah, so when a news crew returned to the intersection on Sunday, the sign was nowhere to be found. It's unclear when, when the theft occurred. But police have since launched an investigation into the street sign's whereabouts. It was put up Friday. Saturday night, it was just gone. Council. Councilman Kevin Conwell told the local station, we'll put in for another one. We'll probably have to put it, we'll probably have to put special locks on it so it so it won't get stolen again. Conwell um added, 
it's going to be hard to find the people who, who's got it, who's got it. People in the neighborhood are shocked as they should. And um, Crazy Bone addressed the situation in a conversation with all hip hop, though the 50 year old rapper doesn't sound offended by the incident. That's Cleveland, he shared. They put up three signs up, one at both ends of the street and one in the middle of the street. I guess someone stole the one in the middle thinking it would it wouldn't be noticed, but one, excuse me, but left the other two. It's all good though, no worries, all of. Busy reiterated Crazy's uh, sentiment as he assured fans that they shouldn't be too surprised about the missing sign. Everybody relax, it relax. It's the sign in the middle of the street on the darkest part, Busy said on his IG stories. People going overboard with extra disappointment. Stop. Yeah, I agree. Okay, um, <clears throat> I wanted to actually um, do this, actually. So I previously talked about what happened with the whole the whole mess with the uh, with the whole Kiki Palmer situation in a previous episode. But this one in particular has to do with her being featured in an Usher video. So here's what here's here's according to people. Um, <clears throat> Um, so Usher's latest music video starring Kiki Palmer dropped on Wednesday, which was two months ago, and it's on YouTube right now. You can check it out right now. Um, Kiki Palmer knows that she's a mother. The Nope star, age 29, has finally broken her silence on the relationship drama that unfolded in late July between her and Darius Jackson, whom with whom she welcomed son, uh, Leo Dis. And Draldin, and Draldin, excuse me, in February when he publicly ranted about with what she wore to Usher's Las Vegas concert. She's an entertainer. Her and Usher are entertainers at the end of the day. All right. I don't see what the big deal is. Palmer seemingly responded to it by staring in a music video for none other than the You Got It Bad single, age 44, which by the way, um, I will talk about, I will talk about him being featured in Usher. I will talk about him being featured in Super Bowl 58 in a future episode. So I'm going to save that for another time. For his latest track, Cheekingly, titled Boyfriend. The music video dropped on Wednesday after both 
the R&B hitmaker and the hustlers actress began teasing the sultry song that repeats. Somebody said that your boyfriend was looking for me. Oh, that's cool on Tuesday. <laughs> Shit. In the video, which was shot in Las Vegas, <clears throat> excuse me, in the video, which was shot in Las Vegas, where Palmer attended Usher's My Way residency, um, the actress and singer stuns the, with blue highlights in her hair as she and a group of women get ready to go out in a lavish Sin City hotel room. While she doesn't sing on the track itself, at one point in the video, when the music stops while while the women are in a hotel elevator, the former Nickelodeon star shows off her vocal chops by briefly singing along to Usher's um, "You Remind Me." Palmer then proves she's worthy of her own Vegas residency by busting out dance moves in the casino, even duetting with. The oh my gosh singer himself in matching model jackets and jeans. Hmm. And um and yes, yes, hello. She answers her phone as she wakes up in a hotel bed at the end of the video. What time is it? Damn it, I missed the show. Um, I'm so tired she continues before glancing uh into the camera to say I'm a mother after all with a wink. Um, Palmer's sassy remark at the end of the video appears to be a nod to the comments Darius Jackson 29, age 29, originally made about the actress outfit in July. Um, hold on. Okay, um, and now delete a quote tweet of the former Nickelodeon star who was wearing a sheer dress and dancing with the love in this club artist. He wrote, it's the outfit though, you a mom. After receiving backlash for his comment, he wrote in another sense deleted post. We live in a generation where a man of the family doesn't want the wife and mother to his kids to showcase booty cheeks to please others and he gets told how much of a hater he is this is my family and my representation i have standards and morals to what i believe i rest my case man he he's caught he's he's foul for that shit though um he's foul for that shit the video drops as a source 
tells people the fitness instructor has moved on. The source added that he's busy focusing on an acting career and would like to put the drama behind him. They also shared that the couple is working on co-parenting their son, saying you don't have to be in the same household to be to be good parents. Hmm. Well, um, you could <laughs> well, that's that's true. Okay, Bane the Butcher. Bane the Butcher. Okay, so let's get into that right there. So it's from Hip Hop DX. Bane the Butcher has diversified his investments yet again, revealing to his followers that he bought a farm. <laughs> the 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 plugs the the plugs I met rapper took to his to his um um what is it Twitter page on Sunday August thirteenth to reveal that he'd made the property purchase with an unidentified second party chilling um reads the screenshot he shared. Tomorrow we finish up the paperwork on the farm and they sign our percentage. Get ready. And um Bane the Butcher didn't specify where the farm was nor what it was being used for, nor did he specify who his business partner um in the deal was. But it's entirely possible and likely that he'll be sharing the farm with India longtime girlfriend whom he recently officially made his wife on August 5th the rapper took to Twitter where he shared the big news while paying homage to his stomping grounds real real east side dope boy I married a project princess he began me and India officially married. The announcement was met with an outpouring of support from fans who flocked to the comment section to show their love. Congrats. Live your life just you to ignore the worldly ways, wrote one Twitter user. Congrats, brother. May your union be truly blessed. Praying emoji hands. Praying hands emoji commented another. Um, though unclear about the specifics, such as when the um when the nuptials took place, Benny's move to commit long term is certainly certainly a change in pace, considering remarks and he made in 2022 in which he suggested a man isn't chasing marriage but money. Ninety percent of women women go in is marriage and life, or they not complete unless they are in a relationship. He wrote. Meanwhile, a man is chasing a bag. That's his goal, objective, life purpose. 
Um, the rapper has much to celebrate these days as word has it. His upcoming project, though delayed, is coming along nicely. Earlier this week, Hit Boy shared a few new details about Benny the Butcher's upcoming project, Everybody Can't Go, which he was recruited to produce. It was <clears throat> it was supposed to be it was supposed to come in August, but I think it's getting pushed back. The Grammy women beatmaker said during an appearance on the Elliot Wilson experience posted on August 2nd. I think I got like nine joints in there, something like that. Cool. Let's make some noise for Benny the Butcher and congratulations on his success in marriage. Okay, next. Um, what we have next to talk about here? Yes. So, um, okay. So, let me see some some other stuff going on here. Uh, so, okay. So, we have a voice actor that is actually going to be retiring. Um, this is from Variety. Um, <clears throat> okay, so Charles Martinet, the iconic voice of Mario for more than three decades, is stepping back from recording character voices for Nintendo as he transitions transitions into a new role. Now a Mario ambassador, Martinet, Martinet, excuse me, Martinet, excuse me, um, will travel the world and interact with fans on behalf of the gaming company. Martinet is not involved in the upcoming Super Mario Brothers uh, won the game out October 20th on Nintendo Switch. While Charles is not involved in the game, we're excited to honor his legacy and contributions including looking ahead to what he'll be doing as a Mario ambassador. Not sure how that works. Um, 
Nintendo said in a statement to Variety, Martinet is not involved in the upcoming Super Mario. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Um, so Martinet, no, Martinet, excuse me, started at Nintendo in 1991 and his first major performance as the um, mustachioed plumber it was in 1996's Super Mario 64, uh, the landmark 3D platformer that introduced much of the world to Mario's enthusiastic Italian intonation. Um, <laughs> intonation, oh gosh. <laughs> he credited it for voicing Mario and a handful of other Mushroom Kingdom no, excuse me, adventurers, including Luigi, Wario, and Wal Waluigi, in over 150 Nintendo games, bringing to life Mario's unforgettable catchphrases like "Let's go, Mamma Mia," and "Woohoo." Martinet left his mark on some of Nintendo's biggest properties, including Mario Kart, Super Mario Galaxy, and Mario Party. Martinette even had a brief cameo in this year's The Super Mario Brothers movie, in which Chris Pratt took over as Mario. Um, Charles Martinette has been the original voice of Mario in Nintendo games for a long time, as far as as far back as Super Mario, Super Mario 64. Nintendo of America said in a statement posted to Twitter, Charles is now moving into the new brand new role of Mario ambassador. Um, with, the, with this transition, he will be stepping back from recording character voices for our games, but he'll continue to travel the world, sharing the joy of Mario and interacting with you all. It has been an honor working with Charles to help bring Mario to life So, for so many years, and we want to thank and celebrate him. Please keep an eye out for a special video message from Shigeru Miyamoto and Charles himself, which we will post at a future date. Uh, Martinet, Martinet, shared Nintendo's statement on his Twitter account. Um, actually, X is what it's called. Writing my new adventure begins. You are all number one in my heart. Okay. That's pretty dope. That's pretty cool. All right. So, um, <laughs> so what the hell is going on with the, uh, with the, with the Suicide Squad in the DCU reboot, you ask. Um, okay, and this is from Screen Rent. Um, let's see. So let's see. The future of James Gunn's James Gunn's um, Suicide Squad characters in the DCU reboot remains un unresolved as the franchise relaunches in 2025.
as the franchises relaunches in 2025 new projects and characters being announced however there are indications that some of the suicide squad characters such as harley quinn bloodsport rat catcher 2 <laughs> and king shark could potentially survive the reboot and continue in future dc universe movies and shows while a direct sequel to the suicide squad is unlikely to happen the characters could make appearances in other projects like the wall waller tv series or peacemaker season two as well as potential crossover crossovers with films like the authority or superman legacy the dc universe reboot has created plenty of questions about the future and the status of the suicide squad team and characters james gunn introduced in 2021 remains unresolved after after the negative critical response to suicide squad and warner brothers changing david ayer's original cut gun took the franchise in a new direction with the suicide squad using only a few of the characters from the first movie the suicide squad was a crucial hit and helped launch more projects for dc that is why their futures seem assured once james gunn and peter Safran were put in charge of DC Studios. Um, instead of continuing the previous continuity of the DC Extended Universe, Gunn and Saffron have announced that a newly, excuse me, a nearly full-on DC reboot is coming. This included confirming the first part of the DC Universe slate and teasing how existing projects and characters could continue continue on after the flash's multiverse story allowed for a, a canon reset these plans unsurprisingly included major dc heroes like superman and batman being revamped but what is happening next for most of the suicide squad's characters largely remains un, unresolved the lingering mysteries have left questions about how or if the Suicide Squad have a future in the DCU reboot. James Gunn and Peter Safran's decision to largely reboot the DC universe came after their collaboration on the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker season one as part of the DCEU, despite their characters popping up in additional projects that helped set up Shazam and the Suicide Squad interacting and even superman and black adam meeting they pulled the plug on these plans after taking control of dc studios this the decision was made to cancel black adam 2 wonder woman 3 and a variety of other projects in favor of these of a dc universe reboot this allows them to reset the canon recast characters and avoid previous franchise baggage <clears throat> Chapter one of the DCU DCU was officially announced in early 2023, but the Suicide Squad characters were almost completely absent from the reboot discussion. The franchise officially relaunches in July 2025 with Superman Legacy, a reboot directed by James Gunn, starring David Corrin Sweat, which I previously discussed. And 
episodes ago as Superman and featuring everyone from Lois Lane to Mr. Terrific to Hawkgirl. The other confirmed DC Universe movies include The Authority, The Brave and the Bold, Supergirl, um, Woman of Tomorrow, and Swamp Thing. There were also announcements for five DC Universe shows, Creative those creature commandos, um, Waller, Lanterns, Boost the Gold, and Paradise Lost. The DC Universe slate unveiling confirmed that, that characters like Batman, Superman, Super, Supergirl, Swamp Thing, Boost the Gold, Green Lantern, and more have a place in a rebooted timeline. However, Gunn and Saffron also teased the potential return of Jason Memorial's Aquaman, Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman, Ezra Miller's Flash, and Zolo Mariduana's Blue Beetle. Um, Despite Gunn's association with the Suicide Squad, the future of Harley Quinn, Ratcatcher 2, Bloodsport, King King Shark, and other main characters were not discussed it left the future of the suicide squad and the dcu reboot up in the air and it only got more confusing after shazam fury of the gods post credit scene tease um there's reason to believe that james gunn's the suicide squad characters will survive the dc universe reboot this is because um Gunn has already confirmed that um, characters from the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker will continue on. Viola Davis is officially returning as Amanda Waller in the Waller TV series that was set up through Peacemaker's ending. It is also confirmed that John Cena will reprise his role as Christopher Smith in Peacemaker Season 2. Gunn has also alluded to Jennifer Holland's um, Amelia Harcourt, S- Steve Adji's John Economos, and Freddie Stromer's v- Vigilante returning after the DCU reboot takes effect. Weasel <laughs> also <laughs> also returns in Creature Commandos. <laughs> Um, the growing number of Suicide Squad characters James Gunn has already confirmed as DC Universe canon characters is a sign, good sign that more will return too. Before becoming co-CEO of DC Studios, um, Gunn was quite vocal about wanting to do more with Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. Her status as a fan favorite casting likely means that she will be another the Suicide Squad character to survive the reboot. This would reop- This would open a door for Idris Elba's Bloodsport, Daniela, um, Mel, Ky- Mel Kyer's Ratcatcher 2, or even Sylvester Stallone's King Shark 2 return. Even if the Suicide Squad is not considered DCU canon, Gun bringing back these characters is possible. Oh, man. Crazy, right? The Suicide Squad's DCU reboot future might not be confirmed yet, but there are some movies and shows that 
they could return in the two most likely places where the where other the suicide squad other the suicide squad characters could return are waller or peacemaker season two both tv shows already star one or multiple characters associated with the 2021 r-rated superhero movie it would be fairly simple for either series to find narrative ways to bring them into the fold into the fold this could include them going after waller in her series or hunting down peacemaker after learning he is alive weasel's role in creature commandos could also open the door open the door for others to return um several dc universe movies could include various um the suicide squad characters um the authority will dive into the anti-hero side of the dcu by focusing on characters who are willing to take a willing to break the rules a bit to get justice that mindset largely aligns with the suicide squad team so their appearance in the authority on some level would make sense the dcu reboot could also allow Bloodsport and Superman to cross paths in Superman Legacy or put Harley Quinn and Batman at odds in the Brave and the Bold. Both of those options could help pay off previous teases and dynamics the previous um, universe failed to properly explore. Um, am son. So I kind of get it, but it's a lot to process actually. So So the DCU reboot might not include the Suicide Squad 2, even if more of the characters um, return in the new canon. James Gunn bluntly and concisely debunked, concisely debunked the idea, the idea that the Suicide Squad 2 will happen during an appearance on Michael Rosenbaum's podcast Inside of You in 2023, as he just said no when asked if a sequel movie to the movie to the Suicide Squad was going to be was going to be made. This is not terribly surprising considering how busy James Gunn is making Superman Legacy and working on a majority of the other announced DC Universe movies and shows. He does not have time to make another Suicide Squad movie right now. There are no plans for the Suicide Squad 2 in the DCU reboot immediately or in the future. The DC villain team 
has proven to be a popular concept for the studio, but Gunn and Saffron have shown no signs of wanting to bring them back to the big, to the big screen to headline another movie. Those wanting to see the Suicide Squad characters in the DCU reboot should prepare for them to pop up in various projects instead of a true sequel. If the plan ever does change and the Suicide Squad team members, no, team returns, excuse me, for the Suicide Squad 2, it should be expected that a different director would helm the movie. So that's what's going on with the Suicide Squad 2 not happening. So it's not going to happen, folks. Okay, so let's see. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Yes. Um, I'm going to talk about The Exorcist, Believer. And um and and things to do for the weekend. Um, I'm gonna save I'm gonna save cuts and slices NYC for another time because I might not have time to actually um get to it. So um I'm gonna yeah, we're gonna get into it right here. We're gonna get into it. Okay. Okay. So the Exorcist Believer took place in first place. How did it do in the box office? I, I got you with the details in the segment that I like to call Movie Man Cave Popcorn. All right. So let's get into it right here. Okay, um, now we go to the Exorcist Believer that just came out, actually. Um, all right, so. Um, all right, so. So, according to the New York Post, um, yes, so it's having supernatural. It's having supernatural success. The Exorcist Believer, the rated R horror movie, landed in the number one spot at the box office on Friday. It's opening night. The sequel to the 1973's The Exorcist and the sixth film in the horror franchise raked in just over one. $11.9 million, according to IMDb's box office mojo. Ooh. Wow. Wow. 
that sounds pretty good. Um, that sounds really good though. Um, if you really want to get technical. Um, okay. The post called the slasher flick, which stars, um, Ellen Burstyn and Linda Blair reprising their roles from the original, a dud and awful, um, Paul Patrol, the money movie remained in second place with close to 2.9 million dollars in sales. Ken Kardashian, who voiced the character Dolores in the 2021 original to return for the sequel and this time was joined by her two eldest children north and saint west who also lent their voices to characters hmm okay um what else we have here Saw 10, which was the first place, which was in first place last week, came in third, earning $2.4 million. Sci-fi action thriller, The Creator, uh, which was in the number three spot last week, moved down a notch to fourth with a just over $1.7 million take. Huh. Ace and 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 a YouTuber, um, a YouTuber said that it was a flop. So, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, man. So, yeah, so the blind, which entered which centers around Duck Dynasty's Phil Robinson's early infidelities and alcohol addiction that threatened to tear his family apart, came in fifth, taking home just over one million dollars and um the the biographical um drama which was produced by Willie Robinson Phil's son also chronicles the redemption Phil found through his Christian faith. Hmm. Yes. So the response has been phenomenal. Willie told this this um the Shreveport Times. Stories are starting to pour in of standing ovations, baptisms, and post most post movie gatherings all over the country there you have it right there man now we go to remains to be seen hang on a second i'm sorry about that um let's see now we're gonna go into this is fun fun things to do for the weekend just bear with me just bear with me folks um any second. 
Okay, um, all right, time for remains to be seen. All right, this is where I tell you about um, some fun activities to do for the weekend that's fun. Um, and the week included too. So here it is. Here it is. There is a ice skating rink that takes place in Brooklyn and which is in Brooklyn Bridge Park, which is which is the place that I went to years ago, actually. I'm actually familiar with that place, actually. So according to AMNY, get ready to lace up your skates this winter as the first ever ice rink is set to open in Brooklyn Bridge Park next month, of course. Glide at Brooklyn Bridge Park will debut at the Emily Warren um, Roebling um plaza on november 15th giving skaters a chance to slide across the ice under the brooklyn bridge while taking in the iconic views of the manhattan skyline um the new rink comes as a partnership between bse global the parent company of barclay center and the Brooklyn Nets and the sports management from IMG. Um, together, the two companies teamed up with Brooklyn Bridge Park Corporation to, um, to create the new ice rink. That shit is fucking dope. <laughs> I'm pretty sure a lot of people will enjoy this shit, though, um, which they hope will be a popular destination for both New Yorkers and tourists from around the world. Ice skating besides the Brooklyn Bridge has been part of the plan since before park construction began in 2008. And we're thrilled to see this coming to life, providing long-awaited winter recreation against a beautiful and historic backdrop, said Eric Landau, the president of Brooklyn Bridge Park. Tickets for the open air rink go on sale on Friday with discounts for residents of the Big Apple beginning at $13.50 for adults during peak times, $9 off peak hours, and $10 for children. Hmm. That sounds like fun. Um, the rink will be open daily with skating sessions lasting for 50 minutes and in an effort to give back to the community, Glide will offer 12,000 free tickets to local New York City residents throughout the season. BSE Global is committed to creating unique entertainment experiences for both the Brooklyn and greater New York City communities. And we are truly excited to bring Glide at Brooklyn Bridge Park to life, 
says Sam Zussman, the CEO of BSE Global. We'd like to thank the Brooklyn Bridge Park for believing in our shared vision vision with IMG to create a fun, family-friendly winter activity in one of the city's most picturesque and beloved parks. Um, throughout the winter, Glide will also facilitate um, guided activities such as skating schools, group outings, corporate experiences, and more. Glide at Brooklyn Bridge Park promises to become an unmissable event in the fall and winter calendar, and we are delighted to become the stewards of Brooklyn's newest community space and winter attraction alongside our partners at Brooklyn Bridge Park and BSE Global, says Stephen Flint Wood, the EVP and Managing Director of Arts and Entertainment Events at IMG. To purchase tickets and learn more about scheduling, you can visit Glide's website for more information. Okay, we got that out the way. Um, all right, so we have some places to talk about. Um, okay, let's see. Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute here. So, okay, so we have some Halloween events going on for, um, so, so we got some Halloween events going on that we need to that we need to talk about here. So, um, this is from Timeout.com. Sure, Barbie and Ken or Joel and Ellie costumes are bound to be excessively popular this year, but we'll give them a pass if your dog is <laughs> is the other half of the ensemble. Um, expect to see those and plenty more at, um, oh man, can we get rid of this, get rid of this shit right here, come on, man. Can we just get rid of this right now? Hold on a second. Hold on. Um, yeah, hold on a second here. Yeah, um, yeah, so expect to see those and plenty more at this cost costume contest for pups at Beechwood Brewings. Bixby Knowles Tap Room each five dollars each five dollars contest entry benefits um SPCA LA and you'll also find free pet carrot catchers portraits a ball pit paw art and puppuccinos 
Don't ask me what that is. I don't know what that is. Anyway, um, so you can go to spcla.com for more information. And the address is um and the address for Beachwood Brew Brewing Bixby Nose Tap Room is 3630 Atlantic Avenue, Long Beach 90807. Price is free. Contest entry is five hours and opening hours is noon to 5 p.m. Okay. And we have, let me see. Let me see. I'm going to pick some random stuff actually. So just bear with me. Um, Let me see. So, okay, so here it is. C. Clavia, Heart of L.A., C. Clavia's October 15th ride just might be its most impressive one yet. The bike-friendly event will create um, nearly eight miles of car-free streets, including along Figueroa and Broadway and DTLA and Chinatown, along First and Central in Little Tokyo in the Arts District, and then across the 6th Street bridge and toward first in Boyle Heights. All right. And um, we have, and for all you artists out there, Art Night Pasadena. Pasadena underrated collection of museums and performance spaces open up their doors for free at the biannual art celebration. Take advantage of the free shuttle buses or hoof hoof it between site-specific installations and local institutions such as the Gamble House, Pacific Asia Museum, and more. And of course, no art fest would be complete without food trucks, often including local bricks and Motar pie and burger and two haze. Mmm, yum. Um, Cinema Cemetery. <laughs> oh man, Cinespia. <laughs> oh shit. Um, so, um, Cinespia Cemetery screenings. Oh man, sorry for laughing, but. I had to laugh on that one. But anyway, LA's legendary cemetery screening series finishes up its season with a slate of spooky picks, including Halloween, October 14th, which is tomorrow, which is uh which is which is to which is today, today actually, and Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, October 21st at Hollywood Forever, plus an off-site showing of the ring October 20th at LA State Historic Park. Halloween and morning towers. No, Halloween and morning tours. 
history buffs make your way to the Heritage Square Museum this Halloween season for the first time for the first part of their annual event. Learn about ghost sightings and hauntings during an evening tour. Then for the annual morning fair, you can learn all about death and mourning etiquette during the Victorian era, including how even the intricate details on clothing played a role in showing the loss of the loved one. For family-friendly fun, children can play period games and make 19th century harvest crafts. And um, let's see. Let's see. Um, Let me just um, see what's going on with the... Okay, Dine LA, summer's behind us and eat your feelings season seasons is just about here so you might as might as well save a few bucks with dine la the semi-annual two-week dining event which returns with its fall edition um you'll find pre-fixed menus available for takeout and dine in depending on the venue at dozens upon dozens of restaurants for as little as 15 dollars for lunch and $25 for dinner. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Very that's very interesting. Um yeah. All right, um okay. So we got the Lula Cafe Cookbook Author Event for you chefs out there, uh, which is which takes place. Um, yeah, let me see, let me see, let me see. Um, so October fifteenth, that's a Sunday, and Afterlife. Um, October fourteenth, um, which is the. Uh, Um, techno label Afterlife brings an eponymous fest to LA State Historic Park. The show on October 13th and 14th promised a mind blowing mix of visuals, sound, and stage design. Tale of Us will close out the evening on both nights. Friday night's lineup includes RG, Kevin D. Um, V-Rays, um, Joya Karma, and M. Rack Presents. We don't follow the solo project from Tale of Us co-founder Carmine Conte Saturday includes um. Um, Audrey, Adriatique, Cassian, Layla, Benitez, and 
Enema presents Genesis by Tale of Us co-founder Matteo um, Maleri. All right, and and I already mentioned, I already mentioned this shit too. Um, all right, so we have Screen Fest Horror Film Festival, which takes place October nineteenth. Um, see what's cutting edge in the world of horror with blood with a bloody good selection of indie flicks invading the Chinese theater this October. All right. Now on to New York. On to New York. Um hold on a second. Um hold on a second. Oktoberfest. I did see this. Hold up a second. Wait, wait, wait. Now on to New York. So we have Oktoberfest that's going down actually. So Oktoberfest. Um yes, yeah, so Oktoberfest. Where is this? Where is it? Hold on a second. Where's October first? I just saw it. Yeah, there's so many October fests that's going on actually. So let me just see. So the best October fest events in NYC. So let's get into it here. Um, okay, so October fest at Black Forest in Brooklyn, um, which is um, on the weekends through October twenty first. Um, tickets start at $15 for entry, and you can add on three hours of unlimited beer for $45. And we have Oktoberfest at Water Watermark Bar. And that is going to be open through October 29th. Um, I suggest you get your reservations early as possible. And for more information, Oktoberfest at Laurelly Beer Garden. Huh. Um, the, the season celebration of Oktoberfest is now underway through Tuesday, October 31st with free beer keg tappings and pig roast tastings and every weekend, of course. Um, plus, you can expect pretzel sausage <laughs> and beer specials every day. The pumpkin kegs return on Friday, September 29th with pumpkin beer, pumpkin spice, cocktails, and cold brew. Um, that is and we have um we have Stone Street Octoberfest. Yes. And um And we have Torch and Crown Brewing Company's Torch Fest. Um, that is, yikes. Um, okay. General admission costs $30 per person. And of course, um, that you, that that'll get you one complimentary beer. You can also book a table or VIP experience. Another Oktoberfest event is from, of course, obviously offerings through October 15th. 
Um, happy hour, Oktoberfest happy hour from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday and 12 to 2 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. Yikes. Stein holding contest will be held every Saturday at 8 p.m. with prizes. And this takes place at um, it's Battery, Battery Park City and Upper East Side locations throughout the season. Okay, I will go over some more Oktoberfest events um, next time because I need to actually next time and stuff. So I need to really get a move on because I have to get ready for work in a couple minutes. So let me see. Let me see. Uh, let me see something here. Um, so stuff to do for the weekend. Some most fun stuff to do for the weekend. I got this. Um, let me see. Let me see what's going on here. Um, I am sorry I didn't record yesterday, but um. From October 15th to the 15th, I'm sorry, I, I, I recorded a little late because I was just a little late, so I can't really, I can't really use this on Friday the 13th. I can't use this because it's over, so I'll just go over what's going on in October 14th. So, Adopt the Pet in Queens, Pet Adoption Day, looking for a new furry friend. Um... Looking for a new furry friend. Hold on a second. Yes, yes, yes. Um, damn it. Wait a second here. <sighs> Boy, I'm sorry. Um... Yes, looking for a new furry friend. Douglas Town Development and Throw Me a Bone will be. Why is it always doing this shit, man? Yeah, Throw Me a Bone will be hosting a pet adoption event in partnership with um, By We, which will have cats and dogs available for available to the public for adoption on site. 311, 311th Day Avenue, Queens, New York, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., and it's free. And um, Bear Mountain Cruise, um, which takes place at Pier 83 in Manhattan, New York, from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., and it's and it's going to cost you admission, which is 79 to $139. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm going to wrap up here, though. Yeah, I'm going to wrap up here, actually. Um, I'm going to wrap up, though. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah.
and um, also taking place this weekend on Sunday, Halloween at the Bronx Zoo, NYC Makers Market. And this takes place at the Grand Bazaar NYC, which is located at 100 West 77th Street, Manhattan, New York, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. And it's free. And Boo at the Zoo also takes place at the Bronx Zoo as well, 2300 Southern Boulevard, Bronx, New York, 10 a.m. to 5.30 p.m., which is going to cost you $28. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Um, yeah, $28. Yeah, it's going to cost you $28.75. All right. So that's not too, that's not, wow. I don't know if that's considered expensive, but anyway. Yeah, 27, yeah, $28.75. Okay. Um, Anything else? Let's see. Anything else? Um, all right. Um, okay, folks, if you missed any of if you missed any of the events that I just mentioned or whatever. And for all you people in Los Angeles, California, and New York, you can check out you can check out the events that's going down at at www.timeout.com. And of course, for the New Yorkers, you can go to www.amny.com slash things to do for the weekend and on and every in other categories for you to check out. So there you have it right there. As for um, as for the other topics, um, like eat and drink and and the uh, cuts and slices NYC, I'm going to save those for another time because I am trying to wrap this up right here. So, um, okay, so we're gonna go into this last segment right here. The last segment is going to be hang on a second last segment is going to be okay so the last segment is going to be stream wait hold on a second here hold on Okay. Yes, stream choices on the go, man. Let's get into it right here. All right. Please make sure you follow the podcast on Facebook threads and, of course, alongside with um, Instagram and alongside with the other podcast shows that I do on Instagram as well so which includes 
Excellent Fun Vibrant Talks podcast, um, my sports platform, my review show, Meticulous Vibe Juice podcast, as well as my New York Avenue podcast. Um, and uh, and you can follow me on the gram, which is G Money Stacks Triple Five in Queens, New York, and turn on your notifications so you so you can be reminded of when I'm going to be on instagram live recording an episode and everything else in between and um and speaking of speaking of which let's get into the link in the link in the bar on the gram right here when you go to the link in bar you're going to see a whole bunch of audio streaming platforms and things things to watch on youtube and all the other stuff and of course you could download on to your iphones your android phones iPads, Android tablets, and laptops. So starting with Odyssey, Audible, Audio Burst, Amazon Music, Breaker, Bullhorn FM, Castbox FM, Deezer, Listen Notes. Um, I'm also on Capsule, um, Moon FM Podcast, Player FM, Pocket Cast, Pod Bay, Pod Friend, Pod Ham, Podo Polo, Podorama, Podcast Index, Podcast Addict. Pod Chaser, Podverse, Podcast Guru, Podvine, Snipped, um, Spotify, Spotify for Podcasters, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, number one app for radio, music, and podcasts. Um, you don't need a credit card or debit card to download iHeartRadio and, and the rest of the apps, all right? Hold on a second. I do apologize for the noisy planes, so forgive me for lowering the volume. Anyway, um, you don't need a debit card or credit card to download iHeartRadio and the apps that I just mentioned and all the great stuff. Make sure you subscribe to iHeartRadio and and the apps that I just mentioned and the links. Um, alongside with following um, my three shows that's also on iHeartRadio as well, which is excellent fun, vibrant talks podcast, the sports platform that I do, and of course, meticulous vibe juice podcast review show, and alongside with off the meat rat chains New York Avenue podcast as well. And also, do the same with YouTube. Make sure you grab the subscribe button on the YouTube channel page of G Money Stacks Triple Five for more live stream live videos recorded of the episodes and make sure you leave a like and a comment alongside with um the topics that's being discussed and everything else in between and um of course download the episodes even the ones that's your favorite and of course be sure to add the podcast to your playlist so you can know when each episode is going to be dropping all right and um <laughs> and and also um be sure to share the episodes share the videos um be sh- be sure to listen stream and watch these episodes tell a friend to another friend 
Share the link alongside with the podcast, alongside with your husbands, your wives, your boyfriends, girlfriends, your friends, and people you're cool with from work and everywhere else in between where you meet new people, all right? Um, that's going to do it for me, man. I'm your man, G Money Stacks, a.k.a. The Greginator. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in and, and rocking with me on episode 292, um, dedicated to National national cherry day all right and remember the grind doesn't stop hard work pays off if you want something you have to work hard and earn it so you rather be a hard worker rather than rather than being rather than working smarter so you know what i'm saying anyway um <clears throat> new york wasn't built in a day and you want to make sure you find something that makes you happy creatively, mentally, physically, and spiritually. And of course, be on your P's and Q's, follow your goals and dreams that gets you into your zone alongside with tunnel vision, all right? So that's it for me, man. I'm about to be out of here. I'm calling it a night. I'll see y'all next time. Even though it's a little late, I'm not gonna be I'm not going to drop 292 until Monday. I was a little late on trying to record um, tonight because I was coming from work. So, so, um, so forgive me. All right. I'm about to be out of here. I'm off this. I'm off this shit. Thank you very much for listening to me and everything else in between. And whatever topics I don't get to, I will get to it next time in a future episode, all right? I'm out of here. Peace. Good night, everybody. Enjoy your weekend. Why do I always do that? Yo, what's up, everyone at home? You want to hear more from me? I need your help on a couple of things. Go follow Off the Meat Rat Chains New York Avenue podcast on Facebook, Threads, and Instagram. Tap on the notifications so you can know when I will be on Instagram live recording podcast episodes. Plus, you can do the same with YouTube on my channel, G Money Stacks Triple Five. Grab the subscribe button for more live video episodes. Click on the notification bell and alerts as reminders of the date, day, and time when each episode recording will be on the air via live stream. 
You can also share your thoughts on the topics of each episode in the comments section. If you miss any new or previous episodes, don't worry. You can catch up in my link tree slash gmoneystacks555 with the links to listen, stream, and watch on every streaming platform, including Spotify for Podcasters, formerly known as Anchor, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. Also, you can download and add the podcast to your playlist of your favorite episodes. I'm your man, G Money Stacks, a.k.a. The Greganator. Thank you so much for, for tuning in, listening, streaming, rocking with me, and watching me on the podcast. One love. Peace out.